Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Before we start this podcast, we have a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, hockey fans. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo, and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of like, <laughs> you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. I get a phone call. He's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. I started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who, who he should have checked over here. <laughs> and then <laughs> I looked down at my favorite Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 rips in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. But we do agree that there are many people and places that build the house of hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome everyone to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host TJ and with me again as always is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now grumpy, the Islanders have beaten the Florida Panthers in uh, four games. They beat them 3-1 to one in the series and are going to be playing the Washington Capitals in the next round of the playoffs. That being said, there has been a lot of interesting hockey this, this early in the playoff scenario. Yeah, I think the NHL has just been fantastic the way they've scheduled the games where there's really no overlap, maybe a little bit, uh, but for the most part, you're just getting bing, bang, bing, bang, boom, game after game from 12 o'clock in the afternoon until 1.30 at night. It's been fantastic for a hockey junkie such as myself, and the play has been spectacular for a number of reasons. Yeah, I was about to say, Grumpy, I, I like the fact that we're able to watch hockey all get all day long. Given, um, you know, I only get some time in, you know, during lunch hours uh, during work. But after work, I, I've enjoyed it. At least I'm at the gym. And even when I'm relaxing at night, there's always some sort of hockey for me to watch. And, and I do thoroughly enjoy that. Maybe because I've been depraved of hockey for such a long time period. 
Well, for someone who has the ability to multitask, such as myself, I'm able to work. I work from home anyway, but I'm able to work and uh, watch hockey all day long. And like I said, just to see all the players who've come back uh, has really, you know, who were looking at season ending injuries, Gensel, Seth Jones, Adam Pellick. Uh, you see these guys come back. It's just made for a fantastic brand of hockey. It really has. And it's just been, I just think the play has been extraordinary. Yeah, I was about to say, obviously, you're seeing teams at their full capacity, which is something that NHL fans, we usually don't see. Towards the end of the season, it's always a war of attrition. And as you get closer to the actual playoff time period, you play more games within a shorter amount of time span. And players just happen to pick up, you know, bumps and bruises and they happen to sustain injuries. But what we're seeing right here is teams at full capacity for the most part. And they have their entire lineup out there and they're playing playoff hockey. And I really do enjoy that. Yeah, it's like I said, every series has been good. Every game has been good. Uh, there are a couple of issues, which I'm sure. Uh, well, I go would... ahead, Grumpy. What, what are the issues? I know you were talking about them off air. When this happened, you called me up and said, I cannot wait to talk about this on the podcast. Yeah. If there's one problem that the NHL has, and they've, if they've always had it, the way that they call penalties in playoff games, qualifying games, and in overtime. And we had a case uh, Friday night, Toronto and uh, Columbus, and I was watching – the Canadian feed. And I'll be honest with you, you know, oh gosh, I'm only, I'm sure they were not biased at all. They definitely were. And, you know, and that's fine. You know, here's the thing though. If you're doing a national broadcast, you should not be rooting for one team over another. And they were openly rooting for Toronto. I mean, we all know that the Canadian media just loves Toronto, but you know, at least show a little impartiality. That said, Columbus shits the bed in the third period, right? You're up 3 nothing with four minutes to go. You should win that series. I'm sorry. Mazurkins um, look a little bit weak uh, at the tail end of that game, and they uh, Tavares, Matthews, and uh, Hyman, and Marner, they were fantastic. And uh, they go into overtime. Here's the thing that drives me crazy. All year, all playoffs, a guy touches the gloves of a stick handler with the stick. It's a penalty. All year long, they let one go. Columbus is coming in on three and two. Guys skating into the slot, tug on the hands. Not once, but twice. No penalty call. Now, do you think the Toronto media says something? Absolutely not. Five minutes later, you got uh, Morgan Riley going into the corners. Felina, and he was slamming the brakes on. He got touched. He fell. The guy looking right, the referee looking right at the play says nothing. No whistle. You got the guy all the way down the ice blows the whistle. The real problem with that, if you're going to let some stuff go, let it all go, you can't make that call. You just can't. Yeah, and Felino, Felino got penalized there. And then they score 30 seconds later, and that's the game. Um, and as we speak right now, that's a game that's being played 8 o'clock Eastern time tonight, and I'm rooting for Columbus. Well, <laughs> well, Grumpy, you talk about how the Canadian broadcast obviously was polling for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I liken it to this. It's the same exact thing as if you were to see uh, an English Premier League team playing against a team from a different league, whether it's La Liga, Liga Un, doesn't matter. It's as if they were playing a Champions League matchup and the announcers are, you know, English born. They always do have that bias towards the English League team. I, I, you know, there's no way to, to justify the reason for that being. But I just noticed that is a consistent trend throughout sports all over. 
yeah, but I'm talking about the guys like in the intermission shows, you know, Ron McClain, uh, Anthony Stewart, um, who are the Brennan, um, Brennan Burke, Brian Burke. They just, oh yeah, well, I've, we were, boy, you should have heard us all cheering for Toronto. It was fantastic. I'm like, dude, this is the national broadcast. You shouldn't be doing that. Well, look at it like this, Grumpy. How many Columbus Blue Jacket fans really are there out there? There are so many more Toronto Maple Leaf fans than Columbus Blue Jacket fans. For example, if that is a team like the the Detroit Red Wings during the height of their dynasty, and they were to say something like that for the Toronto Maple Leafs compared to you know the, the Detroit Red Wings during the height, there would be a lot more backlash. But I feel like obviously since Columbus – doesn't necessarily have a huge following that it kind of goes unnoticed as a national broadcast you are supposed to be impartial it's not a home game it's not like butch goring in the islanders it's not it's the national broadcast from the canadian broadcasting uh company that's what it is you got to be a little bit less biased you can't you can't just go on there admitting that you're all rooting for toronto which is what they did you can't do that i'm sorry <laughs> well grumpy and, and hold on hold on and i enjoy watching the canadian broadcast i really do i i watch them whenever i get a chance i enjoy watching them but i mean come on guys St don't say that you're rooting for toronto just don't say it you can think it but don't say it <laughs> i will tell you this much grumpy the hockey has been fantastic to watch and i i'm happy about a few things number one the Pittsburgh Penguins and Sidney Crosby are gone. And I guess I dislike Sidney Crosby so much. He's an outstanding player, but he's an Islander killer. And it seems like whenever we play the Pittsburgh Penguins, he finds at least a way to put up bare minimum one point. And he's always had a very, very successful career in the regular season and postseason against the New York Islanders. Yeah, I'm glad they're gone. Um, it was nice to see Jake Gensel come back and play, honestly. I, I enjoy watching him. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Toronto, uh, okay, what did we talk about going in? What was going to be the thing that was going to win the hot goalie, right? Well, Kerry Price was hot, really hot. And Montreal, kudos to them, a 12 seed coming in. No one gave them a chance against Pittsburgh, myself included. And they came in and they really carried that series. Good for them, good for them. I was about to say, I was not expecting the Montreal Canadiens to win that series at all. And I understand even when they were up 2-1, to one, I was still kind of thinking to myself in the back of my head, uh, the Canadians will find a way to lose this series. But they didn't, and they closed it out. Now, that's going to be an interesting matchup against the Philadelphia Flyers. I know the Flyers have the one seed, but in the same token, Grumpy, despite them having the one seed, and I think they've won every single matchup they had kind of in this preliminary seeding, in the same token, I don't think they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, they're playing real well now, but I hate the Flyers. I re I hate them. I don't think there's any team I hate. In it. Well, I think we've discussed this before. There is no team that I hate in any sport anywhere, except maybe Barcelona Football Club, that I hate more than the Philadelphia Flyers. I, yes, I, I you, have, you have mentioned this, Grumpy, on our, our podcast on Patreon podcasts, on other people's podcasts. On Flyer sure. podcasts, anything. I hate the Flyers. I admit it. I know. I know, Grumpy. And my brother's a Flyers fan. He's a loser. Oh, goodness. You know, I can only imagine. Here's the thing. I haven't heard 
I haven't heard from my brother talking about hockey, I don't know, in like 35 years, 45 years, whenever the Flyers were less relevant, however long that was, and they get the number one seed. Oh, Carter Hart, all of a sudden he's giving me a blow-by-blow on text on how great they're looking against Tampa Bay. Okay. The play, the real playoffs start this week coming up for, for those teams. Let's see how they play. I was about to say, that's 100% right, grumpy old man. And I believe and- Montreal. <laughs> I'm not shocked in the slightest. Um, that being said, I think the Islanders played extremely well against the Florida Panthers. They finished them off in four games, kind of like we had predicted. Um, very hard to sweep a team, especially even in this preliminary playoff round and scenario. Um, but I thought the Islanders played a very complete style game. I thought Varlamov was been dialed in since game one. Uh, the defense looked good. I think, you know, just as we had predicted, Andy Green did go ahead and slide in and fill the role of Johnny Boychuk. I know much to your dismay, grumpy old man. But in the same token, he's done so and without skipping a beat. I think the Islanders have looked like a solid and complete team. And the funniest thing about it is the style of play the Islanders have is not a domineering style to where they just completely carry action from puck drop to the end when the horn blows. But I will tell you one thing, grumpy old man. This series against the Florida Panthers went about as ideally as possible for the New York Islanders. I think they looked dominant throughout the majority of play, and they really took action to the Panthers. Well, it's funny. You know, I I write these little things down when it comes to playoff time because, you know, being uh, grumpy and old, you kind of forget some things or you get angry. So, you know, I kind of jot something down. And I write down pluses and minuses and still – we won three games to one, and I have more minuses than pluses. Um, well, I think that is because you're a perfectionist, right, grumpy old man? That's true, and I expect everyone to be as perfect as I am. And you'd be surprised. And we're going to go through these, <laughs> uh, you know, one at a time. Uh, you know, I'll let you talk about some of your things, and then I'll bring up, and you're going to find some surprises on my plus list and surprise, some surprises on my minus list. That's what I'm going to say right now. Okay, grumpy, I'm, I'm interested. Go ahead, hit me with it. Well, uh, big plus, big, big, big plus, Anthony Bavillier, right? I mean, MVP of the series, let's be honest. Uh, Yeah, he's been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. He carries the second line. I mean, let's be honest. You know, you got uh, Croc and uh, the king of the secondary assists playing with him. So I will transcode that for normal listeners, Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey. And that was our best line. Absolutely, that was our best line. And it was all driven by Anthony Bavillier. Now, that said, I thought that Brock Nelson really had a good a good series, okay? Some of his warts, he was on my plus and my minus list, just to let you know. Uh, <laughs> I thought his two-way play was sensational. His playing against uh, Barkov was really, really good. He got under his skin. I actually showed him using a little bit of physicality in his game, which we never see from him. Uh, on the negative, my gosh, he's not a good shooter. I'm sorry. I, I you know, you I have know, I know you're talking about certain situations where he had a chance to finish plays and necessarily didn't. He had a couple point blank with the goalie two or three times, buries it. In the, I mean, do you even look where you're shooting? I know, oh, he's got a great wrist shot. Well, you know what? In big games, the true character of a player comes out. I just don't think he's a great goal scorer. I thought he was really good as a two-way player, though, which is, you know, hey, that's a compliment for me for my boy, Croc. You know that. 
Well, for you to give Brock Nelson any sort of compliment at all, we know that there has to be a few things that are transpiring, like hell freezing over. No, that's not true. You know, I call it as I see it. And I thought, like I said, I thought the way he played on Barkov was fantastic. Um, but Bovillier drove that line without a doubt. Anthony Bovillier drove that line. He actually made Bailey look like just a, a an average. He made Bailey look like an average player, which usually he's sub-average, below average. Um, I just think he looked – I thought Josh Bailey looked slow out there. I thought he did have a good game four, though, for the most part. But he just, to me, looked slow out there. And it could be he's got, you know, maybe a little injury or something because slowness of foot has really not something that I've seen from him in the past. So he could have a little something going on there. Uh, But other than that, I I didn't think Bailey had a good series. Um, But that line was by far their best. I thought Matt Barzell was fantastic, too. Well, I, I also think the fourth line grumpy old man did a superb job as well. And we talk about this all the time. We give the fourth line a little bit of uh, slack, um, not because of their play, morally due to the amount of cap space they demand. <laughs> yeah. But I thought the fourth line did exactly what we pay the fourth line to do. They came out, they physically took it to the Florida Panthers. And I mean, they can play against any single line and they take pride in being able to match up with any line the Florida Panthers throw out there. Yeah, I didn't think Matt Martin was really great, but I thought Cal Clutterbuck was really good in this series and Casey Zizekas. I thought Clutterbuck was the best player on that fourth line. Uh, he just did Cal Clutterbuck things and I thought he was outstanding. I thought Zizekas was also good. Um, looking at the third line, I thought Pajot was good. I thought Broussard started out well. And then tailed off. And then, uh, to me, Kunakel, Komarov, whatever, I would have given Ross Johnston a shot. And I think you're going to see Ross Johnston play against Washington. Well, I think Kunakel, I mean, Kunakel, it's hard to argue. He had some good moments. That pass he made to Matt Martin to score, I can't remember what goal it was. I think it was in game two um, to kind of help us open things back up. I thought that was a superb pass and good vision on his side. And the same token, I kind of want to circle back to the fourth line. That is a line that is all an energy-based line that gives it 110% every single night. And to have them back with full energy and to have them back as healthy as possible, I think you're seeing what, again, they can do in a, in a perfect scenario. And this is a perfect case scenario for a lot of different players, being the fact that they're healthy, number one, and also the fact that they have a lot of energy entering in this scenario. Yeah, the older team getting the rest. We are the oldest team in the playoffs. And uh, us getting that rest certainly helped. Um, and you mentioned Tom Kunakel. Okay, what's Tom Kunakel there for, though, right? He's there to play a solid defensive role and be penalty kill. I thought he was terrible on the penalty kill, just terrible. On I, whole, think, I think, I was about to say, I think Grumpy Old Man, on whole, the Islanders were hideous on the penalty kill. And that was from game one till game four. Yeah, and Uncle Leo came out in game four, and he was terrible, too. I just, you know what? Give Ross Johnson a chance. You're going to need him out there against Tom Wilson. I'm just going to tell you right I now. Will tell you, I will tell you one thing, grumpy old man. I think 110%, I'm going to make this prediction, Ross Johnston will play. Tom Wilson is too afraid to fight Ross Johnson. Ross Johnson tries to fight him on every single occasion, and every single time Tom Wilson backs down. Ross Johnson physically imposes his will upon Tom Wilson, and I would love to see that matchup. He would pummel. Tom Wilson into the ground. I promise you that. He might even give Tom Wilson another concussion, 
and I say that the most endearing way possible. Ross Johnson delivers the hits, and Tom Wilson does have a little bit of a concussion issue. I mean, who's to say if you get in a fight right there that something like that wouldn't happen? I'll tell you, if you're able to take Tom Wilson out of the series and take his physical play out of the series, I think it bodes very well for the Islanders. Yeah, we're going to get more into that uh, towards the tail end of the podcast. Yeah, about absolutely. And the matchup. Uh, I'm still in my pluses and minuses. Don't try to steal my thunder over here because I know you, you got me excited about Ross Johnston because okay. in the post game of the Boston and Washington Capitals matchup, they were talking about, again, how Tom Wilson's going to play such a huge integral role and everything of this nature. And I, you know, I just can't help but think to myself, they have not watched too many matchups where the Islanders have played the Washington Capitals and seen what Ross Johnston does to Tom Wilson in his game. They just don't pay much attention, I guess, to that. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a long series. That I do predict it's gonna be a long series. Um I mentioned Matt Barzal as a positive. Um and he was really a positive with Eberly, but that kind of brings me to my negatives. I have one more positive that I'm saving for the end. One more. <laughs> they won the series. Is that what you're saving? No, no, no. No. <laughs> I expected them to win the series. And this is a big positive. Somebody else that I usually rip, I'm gonna give uh, kudos to at the end. For the minuses, I gave Barry Trotz a minus in game three. You had you just won the first two games. You had a game three back-to-back, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. To me, I would have went with Thomas Grice in net. Uh, I would have given Varlamov a day off uh, instead of just wearing him out. Give him a day off. Play Thomas Grice. Thomas Grice plays well against Florida all the time. Also, give him a shot. And like I said, I would have given, I would have taken Kunakel out in Game Three and given Ross Johnston. I, I wouldn't have played Komarov. I would have given Ross Johnston, a, and that's what I thought was a mistake. And it's, I can go it's ahead. It's interesting you say that, grumpy old man. I never even really put two and two together in that regard. I, I did think that Thomas Grice would receive the start in Game Three because worse comes worse. Let's say Varlamov gets hurt. Or let's say even he has, you know, a, a nagging injury, and it's good for him to sit and take a game off. Now you're you're relying upon Thomas Grice, who hasn't played now in what's going to ideally be a live action game in close to a week, a week and a half, depending on when he might be used in the next case scenario. I definitely thought it was important to get Thomas Grice in that. Right, and it was perfect. I mean, actually, it played out perfectly for that scenario. You're up two to nothing. Less than 24 hours of rest because the first game started at 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, didn't end until around 3, and your next game starts at 12 o'clock the next day. It definitely would have made sense to go ahead and give Varlamov a little bit of rest, make sure that he stays as healthy healthy as possible, and to get Thomas Grice, again, his feet wet here throughout the playoffs in a 2 to nothing scenario. Right, and give give some of the older guys a day off. I mean – it's, it's going to be a long playoff grind. It really is. So that's what you need to do. That's why I gave Trotz a minus just for game three, not game, not, not the whole series, just game three. I think he did. I think as a whole, I, I really quickly want to intervene grumpy. I think as a whole, he did an excellent job. And we talk about the preparedness level of the New York Islanders entering this series. I think we can chalk that up to Barry Trotz and how much of a professional he is, the expectations he sets for those men, as well as how disciplined of a game they play. 100% agree. 100% agree. And we knew that coming in, right? I mean, that was the one thing we talked about. The teams that are well coached are going to be the teams that move on. And we saw that in the Islanders series for certain. Um, You liked Varlamov. You thought he was great. I thought his puck movement was terrible. Um, behind the net, he matter of fact, he wound up 
contributing to the loss, the one loss we had. Um, you know, I was about to say he he did not do a great job controlling the puck. I'm just talking about what he did in general in that he came up with some big saves when it needed to be done. Yeah, I mean, but I don't think he was super tested. I thought Bobrovsky was actually much better overall for Florida. He always plays well against us, and this series was no exception. Uh, I think he gave up one goal that you could call a little bit of a weekie, but he saved their bacon a number of times. Uh, and I'm not saying the Varlamov played poorly. I'm just saying that his puck movement was terrible and it helped cost us that third game. I do agree, though. Bobrovsky looked excellent in net. And I, and again, obviously, he's never was going to be an Islander, especially which ha- with how much he was commanding in his contract. But I kind of feel bad for him, kind of don't. Obviously, he went towards the money, and that's great. Every athlete should. It's unfortunate that the Florida Panthers really can't put a team around him because he was spectacular in moments during the game against us, during the series against us. Yeah, I think Quinville will get it turned around. You know, I I hear that Dale Talon's on his way out. Um, You know, so you got to rebuild the team in his image. I mean, he came in. It ta- it takes a little while. You got to learn the players first. Year you learn the players, then you bring your guys in. It's kind of like we did here. Uh, yeah, it doesn't uh, happen overnight. Yeah, uh, but that criticism brings me to number three negative. The Islanders almost have to play a perfect Islander type game to win. We can't have stretches where we're poor defensively and expect to come back and outscore a team. We have to stay in our structure, and that's not a ne- it's a negative in the fact that. Uh, if we don't play like that, we're going to lose. But it's a positive because mostly we do. Okay? I, and I will tell you this much. If the Islanders are able to get the first goal and to gain the lead on any type of team, that always bodes well for us. Even if we're hemmed up in our defensive zone, it's making the other team press and to put pressure on themselves to perform. Because as soon as we get up any type of lead, it's really tough to go ahead and execute and score on the Islanders. And that's usually what an effective playoff caliber team does. Right. Uh, 100% agree with you there. We play much better with the lead for certain. I mean, even here's the thing. Even the commentators know it, and they're always the last ones to know anything. So when they're talking about it, <laughs> you know, it's been going on for a long time. Uh, I thought Devon Taves was solid for the most part, but he needs to be careful. He's made a couple of bad turnovers in the slot in games three and four. Uh, one cost us a goal, and it could have cost us one in game four. So he needs to be a little bit hesitant on that. But for the most part, I think he and Scott Mayfield have been great together, uh, which brings me to an observation. Nick Letty needs to be moved this offseason. There's no way that you can pay a bottom six defenseman uh, $5.5 million a year. So now you think he's a bottom six defenseman? Well, yeah, well, obviously. Yeah, obviously the way Devon Taves and Mayfield have been playing on our team, he is a bottom six defenseman. I think you're right. I cannot tell you how many times we saw it. I, I think one of the goals contributed in, uh, I think it was game three that the, the Panthers were able to execute on. Letty got pressured in his face, and he just kind of threw the puck. I mean, like it wasn't an ideal scenario. It was kind of a, a mercy pass there to Nick Letty, and he had the Panthers, I can't remember who it was, putting pressure right, breathing right down his neck. But he just kind of threw the puck in the general direction, and the Panthers were able to pick that off and to score a goal. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, usually good defensemen don't go ahead and panic pass the puck away, especially not veteran defensemen like that. They might take the hit, sacrifice their body, do whatever they can, pin the puck against the boards. They're not just going to go ahead and 
flippantly throw the puck towards the middle of the ice that results in a goal. I mean, that is some really, that's a really uncharacteristically dumb mistake that a veteran defenseman should not make. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I was going to quibble with you about good defensemen, but veteran defensemen, especially somebody who's been a top a top pairing defenseman, should never make that mistake. Not at this has, point. And has played in plenty of different playoff scenarios. It's not like this is a new scenario for him. He's played in the playoffs and Stanley won a Stanley Cup. Cup. Yeah, that's right. So 100% agree with you on that. I hate to say I agree with TJ on anything because he's usually wrong, but he just happened to – you know, he's one of the squirrels, one of the blind squirrels just found a nut today, and he agreed with me on Nick Letty. Uh, and then uh, we talked about the penalty kill already, which has been really bad and I'm worried about for the next playoff series. Yes, uh, we have to shore things up on the penalty kill, especially when we're playing the Washington Capitals. They have a very, very powerful pe- power play, and we have to make sure that we are going to be firing on all, all cylinders on the penalty kill. And then my last negative uh, pertains to Captain Zero. Uh, average Anders Lee, who was abysmal in that playoff series. You you can't – I don't think you can minimize how bad he was, and you see how he does not fit on that first line. He's two, three steps behind. Everly and Barzal do everything, and I don't know what he does out there. He takes wide open nets, and he misses them. Hits All he got to do is – even here's the thing. When Butch is ripping on you – you know you're screwing up. Oh, Anders would have loved really – I think if he looks at it, he would have opened up his blade a little bit, put that up there. The only place he put is where it could have got stopped, and it did. He's been terrible. He's been an anchor on that first line. And yeah. I hate and whole- if you look at it, grumpy old man, he's had zero goals and zero assists through the first four games for what is you know our highest paid forward on our team, a first line guy um, who does play on the power play also, and his line mates are putting up points. Right, Barzal I think has a goal and two assists, and Jordan Eberle has two goals and an assist. And Anders Lee has been pretty much non-existent through the first four games against the Florida Panthers. Yeah, seven million dollars doesn't buy what it used to. You know, back in the seventies, uh, you had the six million dollar man, Steve Austin, played by Lee Majors, and he got two new legs, a new eye, and an arm. I mean, and we can't even get a goal out of Anders Lee. So, I mean, I just think he's terrible. I, and you know, it brings me to another scenario. I know people aren't going to like it, and maybe it's risky. Moving Anthony Bavillier up to the first line. Well, we've talked about it before. Anders Lee and Jordan Everly do not play the same style. They don't mesh well, and I don't think Matt Barzal plays all that well with Anders Lee either. I think in an optimal situation, Matt Barzal and Jordan Everly have another winger on the you know on the left side that is quick, who carries the puck with a lot of pace, who has offensive creativity, and they're able to go ahead and all feed off of that momentum and energy. Where Anders Lee does better in almost a box, you know, I'll, I'll use a soccer term here, a box-to-box type of scenario. When you're able to get set up, you're able to position yourself in front of the net, you're able to slow play and create opportunities. I don't think he excels when playing on a line that the pace is increased and you have to be able to skate to contribute. I think he would do better with Josh Bailey and Brock Nelson, and I think Pavillier ideally would work better with Matt Barzal and Jordan Everly. Obviously, it's really hard to to push for change right now because we did just go ahead and beat the Florida Panthers three to one in the series. So I'm not calling for any drastic changes, but in an ideal scenario, I would love to have Bavillier on the first line with Barzal and Everly. Yeah. Yeah. I just, like I said, I listened to the Islander announcers and I hate to hear them rip the, uh, you know, the first line. Well, the first line's not producing. Well, they're playing shorthanded every shift. 
I mean, you know, that's the way I look at it. <laughs> you got the anchor out there, and he just he just doesn't fit. I mean, he just doesn't. We're not, we're not going to get back into that. But like I said, I did have one more positive, someone who I've ripped on this podcast numerous times, A.J. Malesko. Uh, the first, and she's been calling some games for the uh, NBC Sports Network. Yes, and I, she has. And I think she's done well. I never questioned her, uh, her analysis for the most part. I think she's pretty good on that. But the fact is, the first game, her hair was all over the place like usual. And I'm going to guarantee you, and you know, it's been a problem for me in the past. I'm sorry. You got to comb your hair for your on national television. They must have said something to her at NBC Sports because her hair was much more calm. Maybe she used conditioner or, you know, maybe she didn't wash it that day, but the split ends were gone. The little stuff flying all over the place was gone and she looked good. I mean, I was like, you know what? And she also dressed better, too. So I don't know what they put her in. I know they must have told her something because they say if you're going to be on the national broadcast, uh, you're going to have to dress better. We'll bring you down to the costume department, and we're going to have somebody fix your hair. Who I would have ever thought the grumpy old man is giving beauty and health advice to A.J. Malesko and giving a breakdown in that capacity? Grumpy, you are truly a multiverse and talented man. And here's another thing. I wonder how long she's going to be with the Islanders. I don't think she's going to be with the Islanders very long. I think that's a great point, too. I was thinking about that. I think she's done an excellent job because all I watch is the NBC Sports Network um, broadcast just because uh, the way I have the package set up and the TV and everything like that. I'll always stream the NBC Sports Network broadcast, and I think she's done a very, very good job. And I think she fits a lot of the things that the NHL in general are looking for, and I think she does a superb job with her analysis. She's very articulate, and I, I don't think she'll be with us long, and that's unfortunate. I think one more year. I mean, last year I didn't think she was good. I thought Mark Parrish, who they let go, was way better, and I still think Mark Parrish is better. I think he's with Minnesota now. Uh, but she was much better this year, and uh, – what she's done in the playoffs, she's been on NBC Sports earlier in the year, but uh, her playoff performance has been really good also. Um, and I think one more year and she's gone. And here's the thing. They might even call her up this year. Honestly. I was about to say, I don't even think it's going to be one more year. If she's able to continue the way she's – it's odd that we're talking about the performance of a broadcaster. But if she's able to continue to be consistent game in and game out like she has been for the first little bit of the NHL playoffs, I think that you know she might already be elevated to that next level sooner rather than later. Yeah, and it could be you know they do it a little bit earlier than a little bit late. Um, but like I said, kudos to AJ Malesko. You know, I buried her hair on this podcast numerous times, but it's nice to see that she's using conditioner or the stylist from NBC Sports. So <laughs> kudos good for you, AJ. I'm rooting for you. Oh, goodness, grumpy old man. Well, I'm glad that's the last positive you had there for, for the first series for the Islanders against the Florida Panthers. And now we kind of shift gears a little bit, grumpy old man. The Islanders are going to be playing the Washington Capitals in the playoffs, and I don't think, I don't think there's a, a better scenario for Islander fans to get pumped and excited about, and even the organization to get pumped and excited about. Maybe if they were to play the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I mean, the Washington Capitals is exactly what you want. Obviously, Barry Trotz has a little bit of extra skin in the game going against his ex-team, and a lot of the same parts and pieces are still there from when he won the Stanley Cup a few years ago. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be a, a little bit of redemption. Remember, I think it was two years ago now, 
Barry Trott said, if, if the Washington Capitals want to win the Stanley Cup, they're going to have to go through the effing island. And obviously, you know, they're not on the island right now, but it still kind of holds true, right? He, they're going to have to beat the New York Islanders if you want to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I think this is a good matchup for us. Um, if you remember, I think this, I think the, for the whole year, I think the goals for four for each team were like 14 and 14. And mostly the majority scored on five on five play. Uh, the only thing that worries me is how poorly we're doing on the penalty kill right now. I mean, that could be death for us against this team. Yes. I mean, if you have a Mike Hoffman light you up, what's uh, Alex Ovechkin going to do, right? Uh, that said, coaching matchup I think is a big plus for us. Yes, big- I, I don't think Reardon is the same coach as Barry Trotz. And, again, we give Barry Trotz a lot of crap. And when we think that you know he deserves criticism, we give it to him. But we'll, we'll, I'll reiterate this. Barry Trotz is a great coach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. I've, I've buried him at times. There's certain things he does that drive me crazy, but that doesn't mean he's not a good coach and he's very good at winning the first playoff round. So remember the other one was just a qualifying round was not a playoff round. So I think that we should definitely, I think I'm picking us to win this playoff series. I really am. I mean, did you think I was going to pick against the Islanders? Please come on. No, I, d- I didn't think that grumpy old man. I will tell you this much though. It is going to be a physical, hard-fought series. I cannot think of a series that will be as physical as the Islanders against the Washington Capitals. I can promise you there are going to be a lot of checks thrown, and I wouldn't be shocked if there are a few fights. Uh, No, I I think it's going to be physical. These teams know each other well, and it's going to be a grind. It's going to be six, seven games. Would not surprise me seven games at all. you know, I forgot one other positive. Just going back, I thought Pulak and Pellet played had a really good series too, really good. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't want to leave them out, uh, <laughs> even though I talked about AJ last. Those guys, they were they were really good too. Uh, I think if you're looking at defense for both teams in a matchup, I think we have a better defense. And you, uh, you know, John Carlson was out the whole. Uh, he's he's been out since the original exhibition game against the Carolina Hurricanes. He kind of went into the boards awkwardly, and I think he banged up. Maybe it was his foot, his leg, somewhere on his lower body, and he hasn't played any of the, uh, I guess, the preceding games. The um, round the robin. three games, yeah, the three round robin games. I was about to say preceding is not the right word I'm looking for, but the three round robin games. Yeah, and that's a big loss for them. Um, they need him back. I mean, let's be honest. He's probably going to win the Norris Trophy this year, right? Uh, he brings an element to their offense that they normally don't have without him. He drives their power play. Yes. And he's, I mean, he's a good defensive, and not a great defensive defense. He's not physical, but he's a good puck-moving defenseman. He's going to be missed. So I'm looking, he's not going to be 100%, right? And when he's in fingers, there, fingers crossed for the Islanders' sake, he's not going to be a hundred percent. I have no idea, right? They could have just kept him out for preventative measures. And when you get to this point in the playoffs, there's always a little bit of mystique about injuries and how banged up the players really are. Because in this scenario, obviously, the, the three games that in the round robin situation that the, the Capitals played, they really didn't mean much besides specifically seeding. Um, in the same token. If you're in an actual playoff scenario, do I think maybe he would have been rushed on the ice to continue to compete? I'm sure he would have. But I think maybe they were just saving him up, trying to get him as healthy as possible for the actual playoffs. 
I still think it's safe to say he's not going to be 100% when the series starts. And so how do you handle that, right? You run him. You run him every single time he touches the puck. You make sure he gets in. I mean, well, I think the Islanders need to do that. With I, the Islanders, always do that, right? They finish their checks. They continue to quote unquote run them, um, and I think they do. They just need to carry that that type of a mantra and mentality throughout the entire series. I think if you were to wear down a team and you want to win in a long series, you have to continually pound the opposing players in the boards. Yeah, without a doubt, and. Like I said, our, okay, obviously we don't match up. Obviously we don't match up uh, in the offensive side. They certainly have more talent than we do up front. So we're going to have to play Islanders hockey, right? Solid defensive system, keeping everything to the outside, being opportunistic and scoring. That's what we have to do. And, again, we've talked about it, and I will reiterate this one more time. Talent is obviously important when it comes to winning the Stanley Cup. But in this scenario and this particular year, I think it's more important to have more discipline and structure and a, and a better head coach than it is to have actual talent. Well, I'm going to disagree there. I think that, you know, you have to have the system, the structure, but you need talent to win the Stanley Cup. At the end of the day, I think I think I, I think you need to have talent. But I'm saying if if you had to pick one or the other in a scenario specifically this year, I would rather have the better coach in the matchup rather than more talent. Okay. And, okay. and again, I might be wrong, but that's that's how I look at it in this particular situation. I think it's more important to have a, a more well versed coach who's got experience, who knows what he's doing, and I think Barry Trotz obviously edges out Todd Todd Reardon in this particular scenario. And my retort to you is coaches don't play. So, <laughs> you know, we'll just – I'll take the, I'll take the better players all the time. So. Okay. Well, we'll see. And, again, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I will tell you one thing, Grumpy. I am definitely looking forward to tonight's action, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I will obviously be rooting for the Columbus Blue Jackets, as I'm sure most Islander fans will. Yeah. I think many – most Islander fans don't want John Tavares to have any success. Uh, I don't care. Like I said, I don't care if he has success or not. I think, uh, like I said, I thought he was outstanding uh, in that that uh, fourth game for that. Well, he was outstanding. What for the last five minutes? I, when you look at it as a whole, right? right? The team the team struggled all together. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs should be making pretty quick work of the Columbus Blue Jackets, right? If you look at the teams on paper. Well, he had a beautiful snipe goal to make it three to two. And as soon as I'm like, I think the first, I think I even called you and I said, you know what? We really miss somebody like that on our team. Uh, you know, I, I actually want to make a point, grumpy old man, before you jump into this. And I, and I don't mean to jump off a little bit, but I just remembered this. The funniest thing about the Columbus Blue Jackets as of right now is <laughs> Artemi Panarin. Brabovsky and Matt Duchesne were all eliminated from the playoffs before the Columbus Blue Jackets this year. How crazy and odd is that? Yeah, you know what? I was thinking about Panarin when I saw Anders Lee lumbering up the ice and just going, oh my gosh, if we just could have signed Panarin, how perfect would he have been for that line? <laughs> but I mean, okay, look at it this way, right? Um, Panarin was playing for the Rangers. They were the lower seed. You didn't expect them to win. Uh, Bobrovsky was outstanding uh, for Florida. They were the lower seed. You really didn't expect them to win. 
and uh, Nashville. I don't know where they were seated, uh, but, but but Duchesne actually had a pretty good playoff series. So. Well, I just I just thought it was obviously ironic that the majority of the reason why some of these players had left was because either they wanted to be in quote unquote a bigger market, or they wanted to play on a team where they felt like they had a better chance to compete for a Stanley Cup. I just thought it was ironic that this year all three of those players were eliminated before the Columbus Blue Jackets. And obviously, if the Blue Jackets are able to advance. I think that just puts a little icing on top of the cake. And again, I like Tortorella. I think he's obviously a fiery coach. I liked him even, you know, I liked him from a distance, even when he coached for the Rangers and everything of that na- nature. But I'll be interested to see how the Blue Jackets come out tonight after blowing, and I'm talking about completely collapsing against the Toronto Maple Leafs in game four. Yeah, they did. It's tough. It's really tough when you have victory and you have a series clinched up and you're five minutes or what, how many, four minutes, however many seconds away from securing your ticket into the next, into the actual playoffs and you blow that scenario and lose in overtime. It's really tough to claw your way back in and to gather up the energy in order to finish off a game five. Well, you're right. I don't, uh, you know, common sense would dictate that they don't have a shot of winning tonight. Uh, that's a tough loss to overcome, but Toronto did it the previous game, right? I mean, they were down, they were up three to one in the third period, and they came and wound up getting beaten overtime. Uh, but you know, I realize you came up with that brilliant little scenario, bringing up all the ex Blue Jacket players and how poorly they've done. But you realize well, not how poorly they've done. I just thought it was well, how they did advance in the playoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, but now look at it this way: if Columbus loses tonight. Your whole point is moot. Well, they still lasted, quote unquote, longer. That's how I get around with it, Grumpy. It's it's very, very tactful verbiage. But if they win, obviously they advance further. One but extra the same token, they they still lasted longer than the other teams, okay. the other players. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. I, I you know I I did want to point that out, but okay, I'll, I'll let I'll let you get away with that one. That's fine. Oh, I was very tactful with my verbiage. I think I was at least. I I intended to be. and Maybe I wasn't, but that was the intent. Okay, very good. Well, Grumpy, is there anything else you kind of wanted to add in here before we wrap up today's podcast? Obviously, a lot of hockey happened, and the Islanders have a big series against the Washington Capitals. I'm sure Barry Trotz and the organization is going to get hyped and amped for this series. There was one other thing I want on a lighter note. Uh, the greatest number 44 in New York sports history since Reggie Jackson. Uh, you know, I thought he played well in the first round. Uh, but uh, bigger information, he is the Islanders ping pong champion. I did see that. They had themselves a little tournament, and he came out the victor uh, because he's clutch, as we know. And someone <laughs> who was eliminated in the first round was Anders Lee. Not a shock there. Uh I just thought that the people would want to know that too. That you know, that <laughs> Andrews Lee can't even win a ping, can't even do anything in ping pong. So. Uh, grumpy. Well, I'll put it like this: If we want to be a serious competitor to win the Stanley Cup this year, Andrews Lee has to produce points, not just produce on the ice. He has to contribute points to the New York Islanders. We need him being a you know a top pairing forward and a top pairing left wing. He's got to put some points up on the board. And there's no better series for him to finally start heating up than against the Washington Capitals. Yeah. Uh, good luck there. I mean, he's been invisible the last two years in the playoffs. I don't really expect too much from him. I think, like you mentioned earlier, he would be better on the second line paired with Bailey and Nelson. I think it more fits his style of play. Uh, 
Well, I'll be honest, if we see any type of adversity in that regard, I think that is the first change that happens. I think Anders Lee gets demoted to the I'll, I'll say, quote unquote, demoted to the second line. It's really not a demotion. I just think it's a better chemistry style for him. He'll get moved to the second line and Pavilion will get bumped to the first line. I could definitely see that happening. Which is where he should have been all along. I mean, that's where that's where he first started to click as a player, right? Two years ago. We've been saying this on the podcast for two years, two yeah. full years, that the Bavillier, Barzal, and Eberly line had that natural flow. Last year, they didn't roll with that line for whatever reason for the majority of the regular season. Then the playoffs came around, and they, they started to witness some adversity. They put that line together, and they immediately clicked. And this year, we went away from that again, <laughs> and we, we reverted back to last year's line combinations. And here we are again in the playoffs, and we're still rolling it. I'm telling you, and I, I don't want to get too much into it. We're at the end. We're at the end of the podcast, Grumpy. I don't want to get too much into it, but I, I don't remember exactly what Barry Trot said about the reason why he kept them apart. But maybe they just needed some time. I don't. I don't remember the exact verbiage he used, but I just remember it. It made my mind go numb. The, that, that's one of those things I tell you that he says that just drive me crazy. He said it's something, and again, like, oh, I wish I had remembered. It was It's almost a full year ago now to the day, or actually a little bit more just because of where we are uh, in the year. But he had said something of the nature where it was they had to, to allow a little bit of time off to rekindle the fire. I can't remember the exact verbiage he used, but I heard it, and I was just left with – it was mind-numbingly stupid. And I, I do say this much, though. If – we do experience a little bit of adversity. I definitely see him reverting back to Bavillier, Barzal, and Everly. And then on that second line, you're going to see Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, and Josh Bailey. Um, I, I, I'd I love to see that. I hope we don't run into any adversity. So uh, adverse advance. What's it? I don't even know. We're, gonna, we're gonna run into adversity, grumpy old man, against the Washington Capitals. I don't envision this series going as picture perfectly as the Islanders played against the Florida Panthers. Yeah, I, like I said, it's probably gonna go. It's gonna go six or seven. I'm certain of that. Uh, but are we gonna do predictions here for what's going on or what? <sighs> grumpy, sure. What are you thinking, Grumpy? I know you've already predicted the Islanders to win this series, but what do you what do you predict, Grumpy? I predict the Islanders to win this series in, oh, I want to say six, but I'm going to say seven games. Uh, the fact that there's no home ice advantage, I think, is an advantage for us. I do. And now, so I'm actually – I'm going grumpy with the Islanders in five. No. I don't think – again, I don't think we come out and we play as well as we did against the Florida Panthers. I will tell you this much, though. I, I think you're right. Number one, there is no home ice advantage. I think the fact that you're still seeing multiple games being played on the same ice surface day after day after day, and it's warmer outside, makes the ice more choppy. I think that benefits the Islanders and those defensive structured teams. It's a more of a struggle for the teams that have higher offensive ability because it's harder to keep the puck on your stick and to keep the puck from bouncing. It's harder to get that offensive continuity going when you have a choppy ice surface. I also think that benefits the Islanders. I think the Islanders having played the more realistic scenarios to where it was full go for four games against the Florida Panthers bodes well for them. I understand the Capitals were trying to emulate what it would be like uh, a live situation in that round robin. But in the same token, when you're not actually playing a real game and you understand that there's no real implications besides simply seeding, 
in the back of your mind, you're still not giving it 110%. I don't care what they said. They're not going to be diving in front of pucks and sacrificing their face to take a shot, to block a shot like they would in a normal playoff round scenario. Yeah, I agree there also. I think you saw that with St. Louis. Um, they were just looking to ramp up so they'd be ready for when the, the playoffs started. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But the I, checking, I, I, the like, checking wasn't as physical either because you're not going to want to extend your energy all that much. Yeah, I'm surprised you said five games. So I will say that. I know you're surprised, Grumpy, but I really do feel confident. I don't know. There's something about it. I think Tom, Todd Reardon is not as good as a coach as Barry Trotz. I think that also plays a huge advantage to the New York Islanders. I think the Islanders – being, again, the team that has had a little bit more, their feet are a little bit more in the water. They're all the way up to their legs, almost their hips in the pool. And the Washington Capitals has just been dipping their toes in. That's the analogy I'll use. Yeah, another thing, you know, Samsonov is not healthy for Washington. So they're going to be riding Holtby all the way. And I loved what the NBC Sports Network said about Holtby. Oh, anytime it's the clutch situation or the playoffs, Holtby always rises to the occasion. I, I was scratching my head. I'm like, that's not accurate. No, it's not. <laughs> like I said, they're the national broadcast. If they were in Toronto, uh, you know, they would say that Frederick Anderson was the greatest goalie ever. So if they were in Toronto, I'm pretty sure that would have just been a blip and they would have been talking about how amped they were about the Toronto Columbus game tonight. Yeah. If that if that's if they were the Toronto broadcast or the Canadian broadcast. Right. That's just something else to look at, though. If you lose, uh, if something happens to Holpe or he performs poorly, you don't have a season backup uh, in Samsonov coming in. So something else also to think about. Um I mean, I don't know if you would wanted to do the rest of the playoff series or anything like that. I I, I will say one thing. I thought that uh, even though Boston's playing poorly right now, Carolina is a good matchup for them. I am happy we don't play Boston, and I, I'm sure I might have been one of the few to say that. I think some people would have liked to see Boston just because they're a one line team and they've been struggling as of recent. I am terrified of Boston for a few reasons. They're big. They're bigger than the Islanders, I think, as a whole. They're physical, too. They don't back down from that physical play. And in the same token, when you have Brad Marchant playing at his max capacity and Patrice Bergeron playing the way he can, that is a real troublesome line. And then Pasternak, too. It's that is You want to talk about offensive talent with grit that's not afraid to hit and contribute and play both ways. That team is a real tough team, in my opinion. Well, but they've been having a hard time getting Pasternak on the ice. He and uh, Kasha, who they picked up from Anaheim, uh, they were not even in the bubble for a long time. They were thinking that perhaps they uh, came in contact with someone who had coronavirus or whatever. Uh, they weren't sick, um, but I guess they'll come back. But, I mean, you know, I think that Brad Marchant's a guy who feeds off the crowd, and with no crowd, I think it hurts his play. I don't think he's been – I don't think he's been the Brad Marchant we've seen in the past, honestly. That's a good point, Grumpy. I think you're right a little bit there. I never had thought about it, but I think you're right. He's a I think I, I think that's a good point. I think it's a good point. Obviously, when tensions start to flare, I think it's easy to kind of zone out the crowd a little bit, and you don't even see them as being existent. But in the same token, I think you're right, Grumpy Old Man, and, and that makes for an interesting point. Grumpy Old Man, is there anything else you'd like to add before we kind of wrap up today's podcast? I just want everyone to be rooting for Columbus tonight and uh, go Islanders. I don't know if we're playing Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, but I'm geeked up for the first round of the playoffs. Absolutely, Grumpy Old Man. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast as always. My pleasure. 
And thank you so much to the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, they allow us to have this podcast on multiple different platforms. Wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, um, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find the Hockey Podcast Network's version of the Never Say Die podcast. But, you know, thank you so much again, Grumpy, and let's go New York Islanders.